0: Let's just get this show on the road and get it over with, shall we?
1: I was already using my podcasting voice, did you notice?
0: No, that's how you always sound to me. Oh, shit. <laughs> 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 Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast. This is the podcast all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and even under the gaming table. This is episode 134. I have a guest with me that doesn't need an introduction if you've ever been to any of our booths at any conventions, because I have with me Don Stroud. Hey, Alan Gerding. Yes, that's me. Correct. <laughs> Here's the plan for the episode. We're going to get to know you a little bit, but I specifically have you on here, episode 134, for three main reasons. Reason number one... People to know who Don Stroud is so they feel familiar and comfortable when they go visit you at the booth. Two, you've played Sean McCoy's Mothership, which we are selling at Origins. Yes! So hopefully you can give us a little bit of a preview for that. And numero three, we are going to have a Tuesday Night Plays episode of Mothership. That Mothership episode has a crew full of players that have all been on this podcast that our knaves, knights, and listeners alike have gotten to know through this podcast. But I don't think they got to know you enough, Don. Let's get into this. Let's get to know Don Stroud. You are the single most consistent booth volunteer to the point where we kind of put you in charge a lot. We used to call you our lead booth ape, but I like to call you now like the sheriff of the booth. So when we're out of town, you're just taking care of things. So how are you doing, Don?
1: I'm doing well, thanks for asking, Alan. Where are you from? Oh, I'm in Ypsilanti, Michigan. It's in the thumb.
0: Okay, the thumb of Michigan, because if you hold up your hand, it looks like Michigan.
1: Yeah, we call it the thumb. So all the businesses up there are like Thumb Electric, Thumb Cable, Tom Thumb. Way to cash in on something that only people from Michigan would really know. (laughs) Thanks for having me on this uh, glorious podcast. I used to be a listener.
0: (laughs) What was it that got you to stop listening.
1: Give it to a straight. I honestly have a podcast short attention span. Especially if people talk about me like, uh, you know, Jason Kotarski has his podcast. He would sometimes mention me and I'm like, Oh, How yeah, dare
0: I you talk about another podcast on this podcaster? No, I'm just kidding. Jason <laughs> yeah. Kotarski's great. I think you actually introduced him to me.
1: Yeah, probably at uh, Origins in uh, 2011 or 2012. And Jason
0: Kotarski's from Flint, Michigan. Do they still have a water problem? Oh, they do. That's crazy, because that's been years now that they still have water issues. Damn!
1: Is this a political podcast?
0: No, this isn't a political podcast. But if we're talking about a friend from Flint, Michigan, I think it's relevant to mention that Flint, Michigan hasn't had drinkable, (laughs) batable water in, (laughs) fuck, how many years, man? So if it comes up, we're going to talk
1: about it. That's true.
0: Anyway, Jason Katarski, he is the man behind the publishing company known as Green Couch Games. They make really fast, fun, light filler games. But enough about Jason. We're here to talk about you, Don Stroud. Oh. So you have a short attention span, you're saying, and you are
1: listening to Jason Katarski. And you guys, but I really only have like a 20 to 30 episode threshold, and then I just get tired of them, even when they're my friends. Like I thought, oh, my friends, I can listen to them all the time. But no. Oh yeah,
0: I get what you're saying. When you listen to someone's podcast, it's like a relationship, almost like you live with the people, and anytime you live with anyone, you're gonna get tired of them.
1: You know, I had my own podcast for about three years, and I had to edit them. When you do it visually, you can kind of see where the ums are, and the throat clearings are, and the squeaks are. And the lip smacking. Well, that's Sean McCoy, right?
0: <laughs> yes! I got so much out
1: of <laughs> Well, you and I and Sean, and uh, who was that last person? Matt Snodgrass? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we recorded like a uh, pilot. You know, I did that, so I know all of Sean's little uh, things his quirks
0: isms the sean isms yeah and what was this pilot that we recorded wasn't it called tit
1: it was called tit it was like tabletop immersion talk not a very good title
0: <laughs> was it just a weak excuse to have tit as the title of our podcast is that how mature we are
1: yeah yeah it did end with an epic fart
0: <laughs> that's right <laughs> Hey, welcome. Come on in. Have a <laughs> seat
1: and a drink. We're just talking about tabletop immersion. It's the first episode. We're here at Gen Con 2013. Episode zero, if you will. Episode zero. Yeah, well, we know what we're gonna talk about. Today's yeah. topic is, is gonna to be about how we got into role-playing. How we fell in love. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we should introduce ourselves. You're- Let's introduce ourselves. Uh, Don Stroud. I'm Sean McCoy. I'm Matt Snodgrass. Alan Gerding. No, we'll link to maybe Lamentations and Dungeon Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> and thus ends our first podcast. Not with a bang, but a sharp. Hey, watch your hands. That's it, we're closed. I didn't even get my pickle deal. Get out of here.
0: We just talked about role-playing games. Mm-hmm. And that's your main focus, is you are a role-playing aficionado. Am I correct in saying that?
1: I would not say aficionado, because I... Oh, listen to that lip smack you just did. Oh, man. I actually see it. You're welcome, Sean. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so uh no i wouldn't say aficionado i didn't get to play it when i was a kid because it was satanic
0: oh you were raised religiously
1: yes hmm, which
0: you do not strike me as religious there's stereotypes out there and i could totally be stereotyping you in the incorrect way mm-hmm. when people meet you first of all what are you like six one six two how tall i'm uh,
1: about you? six two yeah
0: six two and you look like you weigh 220 am i wrong Uh,
1: 295.
0: I'm way off. So you're even bigger than I realized. Yeah. Uh, Man, I'm not trying to body shame at all. You look good, sir. I don't want to crush on you too much, but you're a handsome gentleman. You're well built Mm -hmm. and you're covered in ink. You have two full sleeves?
1: Oh, they're really just wrists, to elbows, and then on the left arm, there's some on the inside bicep, which is a painful spot.
0: None of those for my recollection, are religious or even spiritual, because I remember you have a beautiful, I want to say lily. Is that one of the flowers? Yes. I guess I am kind of crushing on you. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just giving our listeners, or knaves, knights, and nobles alike who are listening to this episode, an idea of what to expect when they visit our booth and see this hulking giant of a friendly man don Strau yeah hovering over you casting a shadow and not to be too worried or intimidated by the tats but my original point was you don't strike me as religious yeah i'm not because you had to make a choice religion or role-playing games right and i
1: and i chose role-playing games of course sorry
0: religion you don't stand a chance when you're up against the power of a d20 no. Let me just shotgun a question at you. I want your rapid-fire answers. Do it. Name some of the systems that you've played as quick as you can.
1: Go. Um, a, D, and D, first edition. Dungeons Dragons, fifth edition. Dungeon Crawl Classics. Mutant Crawl Classics. Mothership. And a little bit of Warhammer. Roleplay, first edition. But not enough of that one.
0: Now, you mentioned Mothership. Coming up, at Origins, we're selling Mothership. Origins is freaking next week. You realize that?
1: Oh, man. You realize that? I can't make it. What? Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: my God. You freaking me out here. I was like, wait, Uh, what? (laughs) Kind of counting on you, bro. (laughs) Uh, All right. So let's talk about our plans for playing Mothership at origins
1: all right that sounds like a great idea
0: the cast of players we have sean as the dungeon master i forget what he calls it
1: uh warden the
0: warden yeah so the warden then we're gonna have a crew of four we're gonna have sir weenie benjamin Canellis, as an android Lindsay road she's gonna be coming on as a scientist you're gonna reprise a role is what i hear through the grapevine as a captain which means you're a soldier is that right
1: um i believe it was a marine my name was captain driver ray that's his name
0: driver ray but that was their previous character we're gonna come up with brand spanking new ones oh no 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 this is uh driver ray jr oh you're the descendant of your original character i'm coming in for the first time and i'm going to be a teamster so i'm just some type of Union worker who moves crates around, from my understanding, and this is going to be our
1: team of four.
0: I don't know what to expect except that it's sci-fi horror, and the chances are good that we won't all make it through.
1: Yeah, I mean we're definitely going to be like fragile, damaged minds if we're still alive when it goes through, because there are uh, you know there's stress mechanics, there are panic mechanics, which is very similar to Warhammer
0: Fantasy Roleplay, which you recently mentioned yeah and call of cthulhu you've never played
1: call of cthulhu i've never played it and i've always wanted to it just never has happened
0: man i should just run a quick game of call of cthulhu for you yeah. do a one shot because that's the system i've played the second most oh really my first is warhammer fantasy Roleplay. then there's call of cthulhu and then there's just a shit ton of D&D in there dispersed through different versions. Yeah. A lot of second edition with Matt Snodgrass, actually, Nice. who we mentioned before. Matt Snodgrass is a kid I grew up with. And then I did fourth edition for a while. Sir Weenie is a huge fan of fourth edition. Oh, yeah. Idiot. What is the single most system you've played? The system you've played the most
1: probably now at this point, DCC, because it's been going pretty steadily for three, four years. Uh, So it's Dungeon Crawl Classics by Goodman Games. What's the hook for a Dungeon
0: Crawl Classic? What's the hook?
1: All right, so the biggest thing is there are all kinds of cool push-your-luck mechanics. Um, For spells, you don't just get to cast your spell and then you're done, like the typical D&D system. You get to roll a d20 when you cast your spell. If you roll low... It's gonna go away and not work. If you roll high, it's gonna get like more powerful. You can take your strength away and add it to the spell, and then you have to recover that over the like the next couple days. It's called spellburn. Everything is like push your luck, so you get to keep on casting until you roll a one. Oh man. I
0: love press your luck. Yeah. Hence World Championship Russian Roulette. And what we'll be demoing at Origins. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> Being a salesman pitching this stuff. That's not lemonade by Matt Fantastic. In fact. We're putting up the Kickstarter real soon in time for Origins. That means the
1: Kickstarter has to be up
0: within 10 days. Wow. So within 10 days, the Kickstarter will be live.
1: Hey, that's my favorite game that I demoed, like actually ran demos for. It's good. It's fun. It's
0: going to be really good. I'm excited. Okay. Dungeon Crawl Classics has a press your luck mechanic to it. Sold. I've actually played with you at one point. Oh, yeah. I was a halfling, which could cast luck like luck is something that allows you to do something interesting what is it about the luck and the halflings
1: halflings are known as luck batteries you can burn luck just like you can burn stats if you're a wizard but all of the classes can burn luck to add to their d20 roll say you're trying to hit an orc he's got an armor class of 12 you roll a 10 you can burn two of your luck and smack him yeah make it a hit so halflings can regenerate luck and they can give their luck to other people. So you could burn one of your luck points. It turns into two to give to the fighter so he can hit the orc better. A luck battery.
0: That's DCC. Yeah. Here's the thing about you, Don. You're a team player in that. This is why I have you come back to every show and we love having you. Mm-hmm. It is not because you're a good salesman. In fact, arguably, you're not. <laughs> but you're very loyal, very consistent, no drama whatsoever. So yeah. if Don says, I'm going to be at the booth from such a time to such a time, you know that the booth is being taken care of. Yeah. That doesn't mean that the sales are going to be through the roof, but it also doesn't mean that the sales are going to be in the toilet. Right. You are an amazing sentinel, sir, and we appreciate that. Thank you. The other main reason too is we have a hell of a good time Oh yeah. after the show, at the booth, good conversations. We talk about role-playing games all the time. Mm-hmm. It's Fantabulous. In fact, that's what your podcast used to all be about was all about
1: role playing. What was the podcast that you previously did? It was Drink Spin Run, which may still continue on in some form. I'm not sure. What's the hook there? Why listen to that and none of the other role playing podcasts? Uh, we had two parts to every episode. The first part, we would interview people based upon things that would influence their game, such as music, what books they were reading, and beer, because we are all like big beer drinkers. I don't know why. But so we would drink beer, we talk about what beer you were drinking, we talk about what music was, you know, on your playlist or whatever else. The second half would be an in-depth topic into some facet of the industry Or even just role-playing games, like what do you do about monsters? How do you make really fun monsters really fresh, exciting? Or how do you, you know, print your RPG game? So
0: basically it sounds like you had a topic or a question that you tackled in the second half of every episode. Yeah. I'm so glad that is a perfect segue into an email that was sent to us. It's time for interaction satisfaction, Don. Alright,
1: I'm ready. Howdy. It's time for interaction satisfaction shoot us your emails your comments or your questions we'll do our best to answer them
0: well done Matt Laster writes you guys talk about role playing games on occasion I want to hear how good you can explain alignments so let's talk about character alignments first of all there's nine of them, right?
1: I'm good I'm good so far, right, Don? Um, if you are playing one of the advanced editions of Dungeons & Dragons, then yes, there are nine. In basic, there are only the three based upon Elric's world, Michael Moorcock. You even know the history of alignments? Is that what you're explaining to me right now? Yes. Yeah, so a lot of the appendix N, which is all the literature that- You said
0: you weren't a role-playing aficionado, Don, <laughs> and now you're telling me the history of alignment? All right. I think you don't really have some introspection on- Your own value there, but all right, right, let's go on. What is the history of alignment?
1: All right, well, basically, you've got these early sci-fi fantasy books that were written where they have a law, a neutrality, and a chaos. So the early editions of D&D, they break those down into certain versions i'm not going to bore your listeners with all the early versions let's just get to the
0: point of it i'm that's why i'm here is to really bore them so you don't have to feel bad about it there's three basic alignments you imagine good evil and something in between which has been deemed neutral is that a fair assessment
1: that is not what no that was what are you talking about lawful chaotic and neutral what are you doing yes so lawful chaotic neutral because those were the original, so chaos in uh, the Elric books was like a plane. It's just ever changing, like mutable. And then you get lawful. Those are like more like the laws of man, like structure, gravity, gravity. Sure, yeah, like all of these laws. So you basically threw in your lot with either chaos. Like if you were an elf, you'd probably be more connected to the Fey realms, the magical worlds so you'd be more chaos and more chaotic than lawful right
0: because the fey realms are always changing and growing and morphing and adapting where right. the truly lawful realms are realms that are just nothing but stone that never move
1: oh uh, yeah you could look at it that way
0: i guess i mean you're saying realms i'm picturing are these actual parallel
1: worlds you're talking about yeah something more like that like you like uh planes they're called in the dnd game okay So there are planes where you can kind of bounce through. And, you know, you had your lawful gods and your chaotic gods. And so that was how it started. You just kind of threw in your lot with what you kind of universally believed in. And then in AD&D, the first edition, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, is when they broke it down and added good neutral and bad.
0: Wait, wait, let me time you out really quick. What the hell is neutral then? Was there a neutral?
1: And Yeah. Uh, neutral is just in between lawful and chaos, I guess. You just chaotic. have
0: one foot in both pawns.
1: Um, you kind of didn't buy into either one.
0: So you're talking about more atheist than agnostic in that case? Yeah. Because like agnostic is, I'm kind of undecided. I'm feeling it out. Yeah. But atheist is like, not, not for me. No. Right. As much as it is for you, it is not for me.
1: Yeah. And then you had your nine points alignment. You went from three points in the early editions to your nine points where you could kind of like, uh, you know, change it up. That's where
0: the good, evil, and other neutral comes from. So lawful, good. Chaotic, good. Yeah. Okay. Do you ascribe to the three alignment type, nine alignment type, or are you of the camp that says alignments are bullshit?
1: I'm kind of of the camp where if I want to play with alignment, I would go with the three points because it makes more sense. When you went to the nine-point alignment system, it was kind of like, oh, let's make sure your character is acting the way we want it to act. It was kind of to keep the clerics in check and the paladins in check. Oh, we're going to take away your special powers if you don't play as a good character because you're lawful good, you know?
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. Those annoying rules. As a cleric, I remember playing with Matt Snodgrass, second edition, D&D. We were going through the Amber Castle. I was getting so pissed off at the Amber family members that I wanted to make a vow. I'm like, I vow that I am going to kill any, any Amber family member that I see from now until eternity just because anytime we have encountered them, They've been such douchebags. I don't care if there's a rare exception. I'm so pissed at this point because we had lost party members during this adventure. I'm making this blood vow that if you have the last name Amber, I'm smiting you right there and then. And he said, are you sure you want to do that? (laughs) Which was his way of me metagaming realize, oh, wait, I'm a cleric. Right. I can't do that. And that kind of has to do with the alignment Mm -hmm. because I was supposed to be lawful, good cleric as my character was written. Right. Hey,
1: Alan, how do you feel about uh, the three-point alignment system versus the nine-point alignment system? Or do you not ascribe to any?
0: Hey, thanks for asking, Don. It's so Mm -hmm. nice of you. I am uh, a psychology professor, as you probably know. And one of the courses I teach is psychology of personality. So I'm really keen into this whole idea of personality, profiling, and labeling, there's trait theorists, but also there's this idea of identity theory. Go down this rabbit hole with me for a little bit, and this will hopefully make sense once we get to the other end. There are different steps to acquire identity. Now this is an oversimplification, but when you acquire an identity, it's on a continuum between how much you've questioned your identity and challenged it, and how much you've committed to an identity. So exploration versus commitment. It's called identity diffusion. You've never committed to an identity, but also if you've never really tried any identity. So someone with an identity diffusion is someone who just totally goes with the flow, doesn't care, doesn't really have an identity. As weird as that sounds. Mm-hmm. Then there's something known as identity foreclosure. This is where you definitely have chosen identity. This is my identity. I've committed to it. But you've never really explored any other identities. This is the classic case of a family telling their child, you are going to be this religion. You are going to be a doctor. You're going to follow everything we tell you to a T. And they say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And so they just totally ascribe to that identity that has been ascribed for them. Then there's identity moratorium and this is supposed to be adolescence for everybody identity moratorium you have not committed to an identity and yet you're constantly trying out new identities Mm -hmm. and it's an amazing time think back of when you were like high school or middle school you were going to school for the first day of class that year. And you're thinking this year's going to be different because I got my new kicks. I got this new backpack and this year I'm going to walk with this swagger. Yeah. Look at my swagger. No one's going to make fun of me this year. And then you get made fun of as soon as you walk in the door, you're like, all right, different strategy, right? They're making fun of my kicks. Got to get different shoes. Who am I? Who am I? That's the idea of identity moratorium. And then there's identity achievement, which is supposed to happen after identity moratorium. Where you have explored a whole bunch of different identities and finally you have committed to a singular whole of an identity. Why did I waste all of our time with that? Is because it totally reminds me of lawful good, neutral, evil, chaotic, etc. Mm-hmm. For me, chaotic totally seems like it is identity moratorium, where you're just doing things to try to figure them out. So if you're chaotic evil, you definitely have an evil whim about you, but you're just trying to figure out what the hell's going on. You're not committed to a singular cause or a singular identity in of itself. Experimenting, experimenting. When it comes to the neutral side, that's more identity achievement, where you know who you are and you know who you want to be, But if it ascribes to exactly what society's standards are, then you're more in like neutral good. And if you happen to be evil in who you know who you are, that's neutral evil. But if you're just kind of neither good nor evil, that's true neutral. But then when you get to the lawful, that's the identity foreclosure. So if you're lawful good, you're listening to what all society says and what all of the priestly practitioners in some D&D games and your gods like, I'm going to follow your law to the T. Yes, sir. Right away, ma'am. You got it. And same thing with evil. Yes, my dark overlord, I will do thine evil bidding. And that's how I explain the nine alignments. Did that make sense at all, or is that just a big-ass waste of time? Because I figured if there was someone to tell me I'm full of shit, it would be you, down, because you're pretty good at that.
1: No, I think it's very fascinating, and I appreciated you uh, taking us down that psychology rabbit hole. And I think it's sad that a lot of it seems to be based on the reactions of your peers, and that's just not right. You would hope that everyone would find their own way? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. But according to Eric Erickson, that's all part of life is because we would love to imagine we would perfectly develop into a butterfly without any influence from the outside social world. But that's just not human nature. Human nature is we are biologically programmed to feel better with human touch and human contact. Mm -hmm. And the more you isolate yourself it's near impossible to be healthy. And I know everyone who's probably listening to this are thinking of plenty of people that stay alone all the time and they're perfectly happy. Well, you don't actually know that is the psychological argument because they're getting some contact somewhere. It could be quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. It could be that they only see one or two people and that's where they're getting all that beautiful influence and contact from. Anyway, we should move on. Anything else you want to say about character alignment, Don? No,
1: I think that covered it. (laughs)
0: Thank you for that email, Eric Matt Laster. You're so much more professional than me, Don.
1: I know. <laughs>
0: yeah. Hey, Don. Pop quiz. Yeah. If they should write us an email with a question or a Nave tonight submission, mm-hmm. to where should they send that email? Oh,
1: they should send it to um, info at nave <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Podcast at TuesdaynightGames.com. Thanks so much, Don. Yeah. So, mothership. We wanna have an episode or episodes about mothership. Alright. It's gonna be a Tuesday night plays episode. Here's my question. Ask have it. you listened to actual roleplay session podcasts
1: like Board with Life Adventures, Adventure Zone? Yeah, I do that when I'm curious about... I want to check out that system and see how it plays. Or I'm like, man, I feel like I could be a better DM. I want to see how somebody else does it. And it never works because they spend so much time with private in-jokes and bullshit banter. I just get tired of it and I turn it off. If I'm listening to an actual play, I want people who are going to focus on the system and the story. Keep it brief, make it tight, impress me. Done,
0: I love you. Thank you. I cannot agree with you more. I love our counterparts on Board with Life adventures. We have very random encounters with B-Team Logan and his crew. Good listens, good times. But here's the truth. I'm like you when it comes to role-playing podcasts. I can't make it through a whole bunch of episodes because of a lot of what you said. There's a lot of Mm in-jokes. I keep on thinking there has to be a better way to do it. Even when it comes to Adventure Zone, which is this highly edited role-playing podcast, what Sean has said is totally true. Listening to other people play a role-playing game is like listening to someone talk about their dreams. Yeah, They really care about it because it's their personal experience. During that time, they had these dilemmas and drama, etc. But I'm not. I'm not experiencing that with you. I could give two shits about your dreams. Sorry, yo. Right. Here's what I do enjoy, though. I do enjoy when someone tells a story of a time they played a role-playing game. Does that make sense? Yes. For instance, I was running a campaign of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 2nd Edition In it, some of my players had amnesia and couldn't remember things from their past. Slowly but surely, they began to recollect fragments of what had previously happened to them leading up to the moment where they all met in a prison cell. One character, played by my friend Bobby, realized that he was actually an evil character a chaos apprentice wizard that was some of the cause of all of their problems in one very memorable scene an evil general from the chaos army shows up and recognizes Bobby's character and says Eckhart where have you been the army is missing you Bobby, to this day, claims that that was one of the most nerve-wracking, terrifying moments in his entire life, because everyone around the table was looking at him, thinking, what the fuck, Bobby? How do you know this guy? How do you know one of the main villains of our entire campaign? Or more importantly, how does he know you? Now, telling that, it's really fun. Experiencing it at the table was really fun, too. But if you are sitting there listening to the die rolls and having to hear all the moments beat by beat, not as entertaining. So my question is, how should we not be hypocrites? How should we make our time playing Mothership as entertaining as possible to our knaves and knights?
1: We should heavily edit it. Done. All right. We'll do that. We shouldn't make stupid personal jokes, which we might not because I'm not really tight with anybody playing except for you and Sean. Like, I know Lindsay. Yeah. I love Ben. Ben's one of my favorite people. He's just cute.
0: And the whole... Are you, Who are you? <laughs> that was so good for the uninitiated we all have to sleep together in a hotel room and ben is the weenie of the group that's why he's sir weenie he has a hard time sleeping to the point where he slept on the floor didn't tell anyone so i accidentally kicked him on my way to the bathroom in the middle of the night he wears earplugs and was having some visual nightmare that i was a giant spider screaming <laughs> his ass off like he was about to die and just wouldn't stop <laughs> That's the quick and dirty of that one. So that's Sir Weenie. Mm -hmm. So you love them, but you don't know us well enough. And plus, I think we'll edit out the personal in-jokes and asides.
1: We we really should, because that's not cool for people who don't care. True. What else? What else you got for us? We should... I don't know. We should really know... Shouldn't be a lot of questions. And if we all say, Sean, I want to do this thing... Instead of like, uh, maybe th- like we have to know what we want to do. We have to ask Sean how we would do it, and then he can tell us. We can't just beat around the bush and be all like, I don't know what I want to do.
0: Yeah. Here's what I propose, Don, and let me know what you think. And you all could right. say, no, this sounds stupid. I think we can do a live recording at Origins since mm-hmm. it's next week. We can all hang out in our hotel room. We can record this thing mm-hmm. all in person, and then... I think we can come back and tell the story of what we really liked about it and then bring in the recordings to emphasize those points. Nice. Kind of like flashbacks. So if I say, oh, man, my favorite time was when I had to peel the face hogger off of Lindsay and the only thing that would get that face hogger off was my urine, or so I thought. Mm. So I started peeing and then we could just do a little segue doodolo, 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 yeah. and actually play the audio of me doing that. But that's the podcast I think I would like to listen to because then it's not just us sitting there. It's us learning the story, Mm -hmm. learning the mechanics, and then only getting the parts that really help us experience it vicariously through the players.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That actually might be interesting too, because it's going to be like everyone's point of view, like those classic X-Files episodes where you got Skelly's point of view and then Mulder's point of view. Yeah. They were always great. Yeah,
0: Cool. All right. Well, I think that's our plan then. How does that sound, Don?
1: That sounds amazing.
0: What can we expect from your character, Driver Ray Jr.?
1: He's going to be a lot like his daddy. Let me tell you a story about his daddy. We were trying to get this woman off a ship. We thought she was maybe crazy. She wouldn't come. What did Driver Ray do? Hit her in the face with the butt of his rifle because he wanted to get stuff done. That's the Ray family. (laughs) Man of solutions, not words. He's he's a marine. I was gonna say space marine, but that's probably uh, illegal. He's a marine in space. Marine in space, and he doesn't take bullshits. He's gonna get stuff done. You might not like him, but he's gonna get the mission done.
0: Right, because nothing comes before the mission. Nothing. Nothing, it's mission first. So is Driver Raid Jr. just gonna kill every one of the crew he sees if it's an order on high?
1: Nah, no.
0: Oh, so there are exceptions. He's not just
1: a drone. No, he's not a drone. That's what those filthy androids are for.
0: (laughs) Surawini is an android. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good.
1: So I want to say this real quick about the androids. Sean has kind of built into the system that you can take those guys off set, give them private information, and then bring them back to kind of build a distrust between them and the other players.
0: Because they're immediately
1: connected to the Wi-Fi,
0: basically, is the equivalent?
1: Yeah, they might be getting secret messages. Um, I mean, Mothership is really based, I don't know if I can say this legally, it's heavily influenced by um, aliens. First of all, I
0: don't think it's against the law, I think you're just lawsuits. Right, they may lawsuits. may infringe upon others' trademarks or copyrights or it's whatever. It's not about
1: aliens, know. it's heavily influenced by the film franchise. So, those uh, androids, you know, Bishop... They always were on their own private mission, which is what he's kind of done for the androids in Mothership.
0: That's great, because I already don't trust Sir (laughs) Wee, a.k.a. Ben Canellis. Fuck that guy. Fourth edition D&D, Seven Wonders. I don't Mm -hmm. know about this guy. So I think that will play well in the game.
1: Hmm. I'm
0: excited. How did Driver Ray Sr. die? Or did he not? Is he still alive?
1: Actually, no one, no one knows where Driver Ray is. And Driver Ray Jr., I'm telling you this in private, he might be a clone of Driver Ray. <gasps> oh my goodness.
0: Well, I should make sure that my union worker <laughs> teamster doesn't know that. I can't wait. I'm super excited to play this thing with you. If you want people to follow you, how do they do it? Or you want people to just leave you the hell alone?
1: Google Plus, it's huge with the RPG community. Look for my name, D-O-N-N-S-T-R-O-U-D. Don Stroud. And then also you can hit me on Facebook. I do post some gaming stuff on Facebook. You can find me at The Booth at Origins and Gen Con. The Booth, Google Plus,
0: maybe Facebook. If you want to keep in touch with the podcast, Twitter, at PlayTKG. Emails, please podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com Don I really appreciate it I'm excited to see you at Origins and to play this damn thing yeah it's gonna be fantastic yeah and I think with that being said Don Mm -hmm. this episode is finished that was pretty creepy
1: Oh, it's just my black metal voice. What the hell is black metal? What the hell is black metal? It's it's a form of heavy metal, right? Yeah, it's like all the Norwegian stuff. It's like...